Hi, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Fires of Heaven, book five, please proceed with caution. His mind froze for an instant. He had never met a woman named Ilyana in his life, but he could summon up a face for the name, dimly. A pretty face, skin like cream, golden hair exactly the shade of Elaine's. This had to be the madness, remembering an imaginary woman. Perhaps one day he would find himself having conversations with people who were not there. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss the prologue and chapters 1 and 2 of The Fires of Heaven. Note, I have not read past chapter 2, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Fires of Heaven or the next nine books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 2, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Chapter summaries, as always, from DragonMount.com. Elida, the newly raised Amerlin and Tarvalin, struggles to assert her will over the tower and the world in the wake of the dragon's rebirth. She is visited by Patton Fane, who poisons her mind against Rand. Robin, Lanfear, Graindal, and Semel form a wary alliance. Min, Swan, and Lyanna fall afoul of justice in Corey Springs and are taken before Morghese's former general, Gareth Bryn. Using assumed names, they swear to work off the debt incurred when the barn they were hiding in burned down, but are freed by Loghain before beginning their sentence. Gareth Bryn gathers his meager soldiers and follows them. Tyrant High Lady Altima arrives in Andor to petition Queen Morghese. Both women are enthralled by Lord Gabriel. He seems to have an unnatural influence over Morghese. While Moraine packs Roydian's power-related treasures into wagons, Rand meets with six of the Aiel clan chiefs. They discuss how to bring the rest of the clans to follow him. Moraine brings Rand one of the seals of the Dark One's prison, brittle and ready to break. Rand has begun to remember things from his past life as Luz Theron Telamon. All right, book five. We are not even halfway through the series. No, we are not. <laughs> Still two whole books. Yup, and Lord of Chaos, the next book, is long. Yay! I think it is the second longest after Memory of Light. Memory of Light's the longest. I mean, it's got a chapter that's about the length of books that I normally read, so... Which one? Memory of Light? Or... Yeah, Memory of Light. Oh, yeah. No, The, the Last Battle's a long-ass chapter. Dumai's Wells in book six is also quite long. But we're talking about neither of those books. We're talking about The Fires of Heaven, which I do have to admit... For large portions of the book, this is where they really start to run together for me. That's fair. This this is a a good Wheel of Time book, but it's, you know, definitely the point where I kind of start to lose track of what's happening when. There are a few things in this book that are incredibly notable, like series-wide, very important plot events. So, like... Book four had obviously some very important series-wide plot events, but some of the like high points of it were not necessarily super big on a series scale. No, I think really the only thing that was big on a series scale that I could see would be big on a series scale is Rand kind of blowing up the Aeol, which we get yeah. a nice little summary of 
this chapter. We do. Because we... this section of the book is kind of, ah, let us talk, let us have characters, POVs, that we don't normally have, get news via the world, which is a.k.a. Time to recap the last book. Yeah. I will say this book did it better than most books that do it. The fact that he uses people giving news to new POV characters helps. It's not done. It's done through dialogue, which means it's recap through showing, not telling. Yeah. And he also uses it to showcase how information gets distorted. Yeah. It just acts as like a remember Remember this happened? You know what actually happened. Here's what the news is. Right. Like. Which does actually help. Nobody knows basically where Rand went with the Aiel. No. We, we learned that from Elida and from the section with Altaima and Morghese. And Robin. And Robin, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> I just have to say so. I called it. But yeah, no, it, it, this, it's the beginning of a book. Um, not yeah. a ton happens, although it, it feels like it has started at a faster pace than other books have. No, it was slower. Slower? I cared almost. The only thing I cared about in this section of, like, note is confirming that Gabriel is Robin. Yeah. Which is what okay. I thought at the end of last... That was one of my predictions for this book. That's fair. But, but everything else, because it was a bunch of POV characters who I don't... Very fair. An hour and a half long chapter, because I'm listening to the audiobook as I also read, an hour and a half long chapter spent on a bunch of people I don't really care about, besides Min. The, yeah. It's an hour and a half long chapter, it's... and most of it is people we've never heard of before, <laughs> or heard from, anyway. Yeah, we haven't, we don't hear much from Elida, we usually don't hear much from Min, although that has, the, the Min POV percentage has been very slowly creeping up. Yes, but I'm talking like, you know, we get the prologue was the Elida and Patton Vane and yeah. Robin. Yeah. And then we get to chapter one, which is like the hour and a half long chapter. And it's a little bit men, but then we get like Gareth, Bryn, and Lady Altiama and like. Yeah, this. And even the men stuff, like I wanted to care because it's men, but <laughs> I just like, I don't know, it just felt very slow. That's fair. To me. It did end with them knocking a guy out and running. Is that how? Wait, yeah. Oh, yeah. Logan knocks that, that guy section. out. Right. I thought you were and talking then they about go on the run. last book for some reason. No. Yeah. No, I just, it felt very slow. Like, nothing really it, of note happened. It definitely was not the most interesting bit of this section. The, the two most interesting bits to me were the stuff with Lady Altama and Rand. Not in the same scene, obviously. No. But they were just the most interesting thing. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Let's start with Elida. Elida is the worst, and everybody knows it, and she's having a hard time convincing people that it's not the case. She basically spends that entire section internally complaining about people not respecting her authority. And it's just like, she's not even actively doing anything bad. She's just annoying. She's just not good at being Amberlin. Which, like, yeah, of course you're not good at being Amberlin. One, I mean, you're a red. Also, you're not Swan. Right. Swan was, like, so competent. And yeah. Elida, Elida thinks that she deserves it because she just does. And Swan worked to deserve it. Right. And so they're just, like, sitting around and having a meeting with her there, but they're not really consulting her on anything. Right. And then she just reverts to, like, scare tactics to get them to try to respect her, and it's just not going to go well. Yeah. 
And well, it kind of works on the sitters who they know that she needs them, but I think her, just being the Amerlin carries enough weight with the sitters to where they're they're kind of worried about what she could do. I don't. I and just also, don't... she's been proven to be a little uh, vindictive in the past. I don't anticipate this fear tactic of hers to actually work in the long run of being a good leader because Very like fair. it's just not a good like it's not a good way to pe- get people to think you're being competent you got to yeah. get people to be actually competent and loyal to you because they think you're good for the job not loyal to you because they're afraid that you're going to have them scrub chamber pots until they die yeah who it doesn't work on seemingly at all is Alviarin her sitter her who, keeper, you mean? Yes, her keeper. That's what that is what I meant. I there are so many terms. I definitely don't get them confused ever at all. No, no, no I didn't just have to correct you. Nope, that doesn't happen. No, it's not real. Anyway, Alviarin is clearly not cowed. She is towing the line, I think, between outright disobedience because Elida thinks to herself that like Alviarin is getting away with a lot more than most keepers would. Yeah, and it it's is. partially because Elida. Through a coup. Yeah. And so needed all of the support she could get. And part of that support, we learned, was picking a white sister as keeper. Which is not usually how it's done. Usually the keeper is someone from the same Aja. Right. Swan was blue. Leanna was blue. They're not really anything now because they're not Aes Sedai anymore. And they technically really weren't once they became Amerlin and Keeper as well. The Amerlin and Keeper don't have Ajas. But they were blue. Right. There is a little bit more to it. It gets kind of hinted at. So in Elida's, like, chambers where they're having this meeting, she has two, like, Portrait prominent things on the wall. Yeah, paintings. One of them's a triptych. Uh, if you don't know what a triptych is, it's like a set of three paintings that tell a story, more or less. Mm-hmm. And the triptych is of Bonwin, the last red Amerlin. She was the Amerlin when Arthur Hawkwing was around. She tried to manipulate him, failed miserably, and it ended up with basically the siege of Tarvalin, which is the closest Tarvalin has ever come to falling. They couldn't leave the the island. They were stuck there. And as a result of just utter mismanagement, Bonwin was stilled and executed. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, there's... The series has gone through great lengths. To did say they that actually not execute that much her different. or did they just steal her? I think they executed her. I don't they, remember They fully. mentioned something about that later on when they're like, oh, yeah, Swan. Someone tells someone that Swan was stilled and executed. And they're like, that yeah. seems like overkill because, like, you don't really live long after being stilled anyway. Right. And so they're like, something's fishy here. <laughs> it's Swan. <laughs> I didn't even try. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, that, that is another thing we learned. It, Elida has basically been spreading lies that Swan, Liana, and Loghain were all executed. Which, like, fair if they run off. That's what most people would do yeah. to try to cover their ass. Now, notably, I mean, she probably isn't actually lying, lying, because she is Aes Sedai. They prob- she probably said she was stilled and, like, set to be executed, and then people just interpreted it as right. they would. Or she's no longer with us. Yeah. That's accurate. That's right. She's no longer with them. And they can imply that she's dead. Anyway, kind of going back to Bonwin. The the Bonwin triptych, and we, we get a good amount of, like, kind of explanation for it from Elida's POV, 
it's a reminder to her that the last Red Amaralyn fucked up so bad that there wasn't another one for centuries. Yeah. And I said I live a long time, so it's not that long, but Archer Hawkman was a long-ass time ago. Like a thousand years or something. Something like that. that. Long enough that the nobody remembers who used to be part of Hawkwing's empire or inherit it, except the Shan Chan, who that's like their whole national identity. I forgot that the Shan Chan were like. There is another country. I just forgot that. There's so many details that I just so many details keep straight. Yes, basically the Shan Chan lay claim to all of the West because. Archer Hawkwing used to have all of it, and... They were followers of Archer Hawkwing? Yeah. Okay. Well, they they weren't found, they weren't followers. They were founded by one of his sons. So, <laughs> anyway, we're going off on a tangent. It's the Wheel of Time. There are a lot of those. She has this painting to remind her to not fuck up. She's not doing a very good job. The other well, painting... I would actually say that she's not fucking up because they're not really letting her do anything. So, she's... She can't be fucking up if she doesn't do anything. That's true. That is very true. Until, like, the last couple of pages where she just, like, threatens a bunch of people with... Yeah. She threatens to send a bunch of sitters off to do penances. Yeah. And, like, okay, cool. That's that's a way to rule, I guess. It's not going to go well. She's. I have a feeling she's going to be stilled and executed. Like... Ooh. That's a take. How long do you think it's going to take to get there? I don't know. I just feel like another coup is going to come. This book? A later book? Oh, not this book. It's going to take... In the series? Do you think she'll be Amarlin by the end of the series? Nah. No. Okay. Someone's going to kill her. Someone's going to kill her. Okay. <laughs> Damn. I mean, come on. There's like, there's a lot of people that are going to die, and someone is going to get just fed up with her, and yeah. they're going to kill her. It's going to... I don't think it's going to be an Aes Sedai. Okay. Because then they wouldn't kill her just out of spite. Because they have oaths that they swore. They, it makes it very difficult for Aes Sedai to kill at all. Right. Unless they're Black Aja. Yeah. Clearly, the rule, the Aes Sedai rules, for the most part, don't apply to the Black Aja. But she's got this whole tyrannical thing going on. And yeah. usually in fantasy series, when there is a character who's kind of tyrannical in their reign of an area, they end up dead. Okay. Joffrey. Joffrey. That's a good example. She does have Joffrey vibes. She has Joffrey vibes. Like petulant. Yep. She's petulant. Yeah. She's a yeah, she's gonna end up dead. Yeah. Okay. I can accept that hypothesis. I know what happens to her, so I'm not gonna say anything else. Yeah. That's the podcast. But yeah. Interesting theory. The other painting she has is a painting of Rand at Falma. Fighting in the sky with what's this dude? Ishamayo. Ishamayo. Yeah. Kind of where everybody was like, oh fuck, it's the dragon. Yeah. And they're like, no one's looking at it. I don't know. I just felt like this, maybe it's because I don't live in the world. And they're just like, none of the eyes that I are even looking at the portrait. It's like nothing about everyone saying Rand is scary and the dragon is supposed to be scary. But not in four books has it actually like made me think that the dragon is going to be dangerous and scary. Like it's all saying you're supposed to be scared of him, but I'm not. Like, yeah, that's fair. And so, like, the fact that none of them are even, like, wanting to look at the painting, it's like, it's just a freaking painting. I think that, I mean, very clearly, the dragon is like a boogeyman for a lot of people, right? He's he's real, yeah. but the dragon represents the end of the world. So it's kind of like looking at a realistic painting of a nuclear missile and, and you know, realizing that's here. 
that is here right now could go off at any time. The last time we had one of these, it blew up into a volcano. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, I, I've seen and things. And clearly at the end of this, Rand is not, not fully with it anymore. I don't know how much. It's, I don't think it's madness. I think what is happening with Rand is very similar to what is happening with Matt. And that okay. is going to, that is what's going to make him insane. Okay. Is because he thinks he's going insane, but he's really just activating memories. Okay. And we'll, that we'll is going come, to fracture him. We'll come back to that. There's a lot there. The last thing that we get from Elida that isn't just like dialogue about things that are happening. Uh, Galad is missing. That was Galad is missing. new information that yeah. I did not know. The like three things, four things really that we take out of this conversation about with the with the sitters about what's happening in the world is Mazram Tame is still loose. They can't find him. Nobody knows where he is. Yep. Some borderlander armies are heading south, away from the Blight. Which is not something they normally do. No. Specifically, Davram Bashir is heading south. Okay, I was very... Con- Bashir is... That is Fahil's dad. That's Fahil's dad. Okay, and <laughs> Queen Tenobia has to somehow handle him. Yeah. And they were thinking of sending an Aes Sedai. Yeah. Okay, I... Names escape me. They all are the... Yep. Uh, but it, it triggered, so I'm like, I think that's Fahil's dad. I'm not actually yeah. sure. Is this probably what Alana was hinting at with Perrin in the last book when she's like, do you even know who you just married? And do you know yeah. what that implies? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's who... Yeah. Just this, like... He is married to third in line of the throne of Saldaya. Yeah. Which means his children are in, the, right now, the direct line. Yep. I mean, he doesn't have them yet. He doesn't have them yet. Maybe after they just had some fun times. Maybe. After the battle. Yeah. Post-Trolloc fight sex is great, I hear. Yeah. From all the people I know who've had it. And, you know, this is not an open door book, unfortunately. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Davron Bashir's heading down south. A lot of stuff there. Great captain heading heading into a odd spot. There are rumors about Aes Sedai being responsible for the panarch of Tenshiko's disappearance. That's Amethera. I mean, they the rumors aren't wrong. No. Or I can understand how they got to the rumors because... The one power was involved. The one power was involved. Technically, Aes Sedai were involved. It's just the Aes Sedai who were involved were Black Aja. And... Uh, Nynaeve and Elaine have been walking around telling people, telling people their Aes Sedai. Yeah. So, of course, people say that Aes Sedai are responsible. And it's not like they're not unaffiliated with the Tower. They're just not Aes Sedai yet. Yeah, which gives them a whole lot of leeway of not having to they can lie. take a bunch of oaths and they can lie. and Which does remind me of a weird the weird vision that Egwene had in her accepted test, I think, or something. Where she was like, or some vision she had dream where she's like, I'm Amarillin, but I didn't take the oaths, so I can lie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Interesting. The other thing is that, yeah, Kalad's missing. Nobody really knows where he went. We kind of, we got a hint, right? He, like, ran off with some white cloaks. I don't think it was actually confirmed that he ran off. All we knew was that he was in talks with white cloaks, and then oh, yeah. the tower broke out. Right. So that was kind of new information that he left the tower. Gawain yeah. is still there, question mark, question mark, but he's, like, yeah. fighting against the tower now or something? No, he's fighting for the tower. They just don't know what to do with him, and they call them the younglings, just like all the warders in training, because, like, 
they're a bunch of dead warders now, and the younglings killed them, and they're all kind of upset. Yeah. Because, like, Gawain's not happy. Like, the end of Book 4, Gawain was not happy about how went, how things went down, despite being an active participant in how things went down. Because well, he felt conflicted. I mean, I, I understand why he felt conflicted. His mother's advisor was throwing a coup. He grew up with this woman. Of course he trusts her. Yeah. Still. But Come on, Gawain. Also. Like, you're a boy. <laughs> you're a little boy compared to the Aes Sedai. Well, I mean, that's why he went along with them as well. Because, like... Yeah. Path of least resistance, but I guess. Anyway, the last thing that happens in the Elida POV is Padden Fane shows up. And he's Padden Fane. He is. He's not going by Ordeath anymore. He is sometimes, I think. He's kind of got like multiple personality vibes going on. He's in the middle of and an I use, intense identity crisis. And I use that to not you and I say the outdated term to not directly align it with dissociative he's not, identity he's disorder. He's not dissociating. He has multiple personalities crammed into his head. And he can hear them all all at the same time. Right. So not, It's not good. Patton Fane's never good. He is, to quote random bits out of a weird monologue pa- paragraph that... Because I kind of, like, fade out when Patton Fane POV comes in because uh-huh. it's just so creepy. I have to pull myself out of the <laughs> book a little bit. Yeah. So it's, like, weird reading, not reading when I'm reading his sections. But he has transformed, quote. Yes. And he is a force unto himself and beyond any other power. And I read those things and I wrote them down and I noped right out of that POV. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I just can't let myself get immersed in his sections or else I feel icky. That's fair. He's an icky guy. And he just like nearly instantly has an effect on Elida. And it's not good. Yeah, he... Patton Fane plus Elida equals bad. Yeah, that I think is also why she's probably going to end up, like, not being Amarillin. Something's going to happen. Yeah, is he, I mean, he very clearly has a bad effect on everybody around him. Right. The White Cloaks that joined with him, like, White Cloaks are, like, stereotypically, like, super obsessive about their armor and their appearance. And the White Cloaks that joined with him back in the Two Rivers when he was masquerading as Ordeath. Or was Ordeath, because that's was, another yeah. name for the... Black or the black ooze and Shadar Logoth, it, or it was like derived. He something about it being derived from Mordeth. Like Mordeth, Mordeth was the guide. Mashadar is the mist. So he's got he's he's becoming his its own his own thing. I don't know the way that that sentence was phrased. It seemed like he got the name Ordeath from Mordeth. Um, I think it was a name that. Mordeth had used in the past. I don't remember exactly where Ordeath came from, other than Old Tongue for Wormwood. Mm, yeah, but he's uh, he's creepy. Yes, he's bad. Bad. It's bad. Bad vibes. <laughs> yeah. The last kind of prologue POV. I hesitate to say that chapter one isn't a prologue. I know it's it's pretty clear or that the like prologue is a prologue. It's yeah, just, it just feels like a chapter it, one. It does, and like. I, obviously, Min's going to have more of a role in this story because there's a, an actual storyline going on with her. And the first technical chapter does start with her. Right. And that's not something that, like, why would you start with a Min chapter if you weren't intending to have more Min? Right. Like, start with somebody else and do her, like, two or three chapters in. Which makes me think that Gareth Britton is going to be another uh, POV that we see more frequently as Maybe well. Maybe he'll be kind of like... Jeff from Bornhold in book two, where you, yeah. you like get intermittent ones. And his son and, in book three. Yeah. And I gotta say, 
of those three, I'm down for more Gareth Wren POVs. He seems like just like a he seems chill like a chill dude. He seems upstanding. Yeah. He's not He's a good guy. Overly upstanding, which the white cloaks kind of are. They pride themselves so much on being upstanding citizens that they kind of revert they circled back around. They're lawful, not good. Yeah. He's good, not necessarily lawful. Although I think he's still lawful good. He just isn't a dick. The White Cloaks are kind of lawful neutral at best. Yeah. I would hesitate to say that they're lawful evil. Bornhold's son, I think, is lawful. The White Cloaks as an entity is lawful neutral. Individually, some may be good or bad. Yeah. Most are neutral. And I would even hesitate to say that Dane Bornhold is evil, just misguided. Nah, he's seen... Him and what's the other guy who, like, delights in torture? Bayar might be evil. He's evil. He I, gets off on it. I don't think Dane Bornhold is evil because Dane Bornhold thinks that Perrin murdered his father. <laughs> like, he's his reasoning for why he's so fervently after Perrin is internally consistent and not for selfish reasons. But... Anyway... They're not in this. No, they aren't. And we're going to talk about Robin. Robin has a meeting with some Forsaken. This is like a, a super fancy dark friend social. Yeah. He is just like kind of using compulsion on some people. One of them is nice to die. Yep. He's like getting them to dance and stuff. I don't know. Something like that. He's having he's a party. He's not really getting them to dance. He's just, he has his like base of operations set up somewhere. We think it's Andor. Because we get a description. We get a description of Robin in this section when... Lanfear and Samael and Grandal all meet. We and then do. we get a description of Gabriel, and it kind of matches a little bit. A little bit? I've got the book right here. He was a tall man, large, dark, and handsome, despite the white streaking his temples. Fast forward. He was darkly handsome, incredibly so, with wings of white at his temples. <laughs> hmm. I flipped back and forth between those pages to see if um, Wings of White was used twice, because if it was, that's absolutely the same person. He did at least change the phrasing. He, the phrasing is not identical. It could be but, different people. Because if I was an author and I was trying to insinuate that two people were the same, even though my editor might be like, you've used this phrase twice. It's like, yes, that was on purpose. Yeah. I want to see if anyone catches it. Yeah, so it's it's very, very heavily implied slash, like, side-confirmed, I would say, that Robin is Lord Gabriel, and he has set up a base of operations in Andor. Yes. Which is bad for Andor. It is bad for Andor. But before we get to that part, that part, we get his point of view when he is kind of discussing a pact, like, him and Lanfear, Samael, and Grendel all get together in Andor. Yeah. And just, like, have a chat. Yeah, they all kind of just appear. At first, it's just Lanfear. He's like, yeah, what do you want? And then Samuel shows up. Yeah. And he's like, oh, God, what's happening now? Why and are there Brindle so many of us? And makes an entrance. Yes. She does that. Yes, she does. And we get a... a yeah, the she's thing... the one who's kind of making her, like, compulsed yeah. people, like, dance and do her bidding. And Yeah. The thing that I she's like... She's got style? Question mark? Uh, she's certainly got a style. The thing I like about this section is we get a really good one. This is one of the few times that we've seen multiple Forsaken interact with each other. Yes. We saw it a bit last book with Lanfear and Asmodian, but we haven't really seen too much beyond that. And here we get a good glimpse in just a few pages of all of their personalities. We don't need to know that much more about Lanfear because... 
Oh, she's crazy. You, we know Lanfear. Samuel, the crazy one. All the rest of the Forsaken are just bad people, but I Lanfear's legitimately insane. Lanfear is the only one who turned to the shadow before the Dark One was released. She's she is the, the only... one who un... she's the one who opened it. Yup. She's the one she's the only one who chose her name. The rest of the Forsaken were given their names by the Dark One. She got a full force of crazy. If you think I feel like I think she was, she was crazy before. But it like full force of the Dark One. If you like think about Horcrux logic, mm-hmm. like if you fra- if you fracture the soul so many times, Harry had like a very tiny bit, mm-hmm. and like the diary per se had like fifty percent of his soul in it. So like the fact that a eleven year old Ginny was able to combat the diary, it's like you go, little you go, Ginny. But I feel like maybe in her opening his prison, she just got like a full blast of Dark One energy, and then the rest of them just kind of got like the normal dose. That is an interesting theory. I don't agree. I'm not saying you're wrong, because it's theory. Like, you could be right. I don't know. I don't think that's right. I think Lanefear was a bad person beforehand, and the outlet of the Dark One allowed her to be worse. That's fair. Because she talks about weird things for somebody who got, who would have been corrupted by cosmic evil. She's t- She talks to Rand about overthrowing the Dark One and the creator. Yeah, she, I think she opened the Dark One's prison knowing what it was that's also an interesting theory i actually don't know if that's confirmed or not so maybe we'll find out i don't think it'll i don't think it will find out in the books but it might be in the new compendium yes or the origins which i don't have but i should get yes but anyway we get a good we get a good glimpse of who robin samuel and grandal are robin is clearly kind of in in a middle ground between some of the forsaken right he's pretty bold he's compelling a queen and acting in the shadow but you know in the shadows yeah he's kind of the middle between Grandil and he'll fight but he knows when to fight and knows when to run and he knows not to be too flashy with his uses of compulsion which is what Grandil. yes Grandal is showing off her abilities yeah like she's got people dancing for her fawning all over her and we see robin do some of that later robin's not a good guy no. robin is uh, of them, I think Grandal is the worst. Robin is just slightly below Grandal. Just like skeezy, smart. Yeah, because Robin only does that type of shit on women. Yeah, it's um. Yikes. He's not. Yeah, he's basically like raping more gays. Uh, I wouldn't even say basically. Yeah. I think he is. Yeah. She doesn't really have a say. No, she doesn't. He's compelling her. So. Yikes. Yikes. I Grandal is almost. Grandal might not be doing the same to her subjects, if only because she sees them as possessions, as toys to be had and played with rather than people to be used. Yeah. Because Robin kind of thinks to himself that all of the people that Grandal are bringing with her have to be important in some way. She doesn't take worthless people. No, she takes, she, like, basically says something to the effect of, like, he, she delights in turning a lady into a servant. Right. And, like, crazy things like like human palanquins and shit. Human what? Pa- like, like she will, like, ride around on people. Ah. Like, just, like, fucked up things. Samael, however, by contrast to all three of them, all three of them have some element of working in the shadows. Lanfear is the most in the shadows, I think. 
Grendel never wants to be directly confronted. Robin will fight if necessary, and he'll seek out a fight if necessary. Samael wants to go to a fight. Yeah. He's basically like, we should just go fight Althor right now. Like, what is he going to do? Right. Lanefear playing both sides here, she continues to, pulls Samael back and is like, he could probably take us. She's delaying him more because, and which is interesting, because the longer Rand has well, Natale to train him, the more likely it is that he's going to be able to take them. Yeah. Well, she's like, what is your game here, Lanfear? She wants to, she wants to come out on top no matter what. I think. If Rand wins, she wants to be the, the woman yeah. who helped him win. She wants to be able to be in a position, because remember, Rand has access keys to intensely powerful Cyan Greal. She kind of thinks he could just say fuck you to the creator with them. Yeah. She She's in it for herself, which is she, all the Forsaken are. She wants to kill the devil and God, which is big Winchester energy. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, time for a uh, supernatural AU. Um, anyway... It's a very interesting Forsaken meeting where they basically are like, we're not going to work against each other. Cool. (laughs) It's like, I don't know how they necessarily would, but I think it's more that they're coordinating their plans so they're not unintentionally working against each other. And that's all the prologue stuff. Then we get a section with Min where not a ton happens. Basically, just to kind of sum up. They had apparently accidentally set fire to a barn. Yep. They're going to go on trial. Loghain escaped, so it's just the three women on trial. Liana's, like, dolling herself up. She, like, had sewn her dress. She was, like, sewing her dress, and Min's like, what is she doing? And then when she puts the dress back on, it, like, made it more reveal, like, tighter and more revealing. And she's, like, putting on makeup to try to flirt her way out. Yep. Of... Little does she know. Getting hanged or whatnot. That that would not work at all on Gareth Bryn. <laughs> He's used to more case. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't really work, but they do not get flogged or stoned or hung. He's very fair. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to pay off all of these debts, and then you're going to work off that debt. Yeah. Because, and like, Gareth Bryn is just a good guy. He, he has... Stern father energy. Yes. He's not necessarily a daddy. No. Jury's still out. We've barely seen him. But he's like, no, you're not going to get flogged or you're not going to have any physical punishment because fuck that. You are going to have to pay off what damage you caused. I'm going to pay the people who you caused the damage to. And then you're just going to work for me. Then you're going to work for me. Instead of working for all of these random people. Right. But also later on, we realize that he he says that he did that because those people were going to just, like, torture them. Work them too hard. Yeah. Beat them. And Gareth Bryn didn't want that to happen. Yeah. No, he's a good stand-up guy. Yeah. But then on their way to Gareth Bryn's mansion, Logan knocks their guard out and they all run away with horses. Which Min is just, like, reeling because one... They make this, like, big oath. They make a really intense oath. Yeah. I think, I don't remember the exact wording. Swan and Liana both are basically say, no, what's the wording? It's, I think, by the light and, or under the light and by my hope of salvation and rebirth. Yeah. It's like, that's like one of the strongest oaths in world you can make. Swan just, like, she's been kind of, like, 
fighting with this thing. She's like trying to be subservient, but she's still got that look in her eye. She's still Swan Sanche. And she just, he's like, swear an oath. And she's like, okay. And just like swears this big oath. And Min's like, what the fuck are you doing? And Liana's just like, hey, might as well. And then does too. And yep. Min's like, damn it. And later. And so she does too. And then Swan later, they're just, Swan's like, yeah, I was just going to leave. What are you doing, woman? And in a very Aes Sedai way, Swan's like, I, I, yes, I swore it, and I intend to keep that oath. If the court reporter reads back my statements, they'll see that I never specified when. <laughs> God damn it, Swan. Too Aes Sedai for her own good. <laughs> Toothbrush is bone dry. <laughs> yup. And then we get a little bit of Gareth Brynn, who... People has like keep... a household. He's trying to keep himself busy. He was like fired from being the captain general of the Queen's Guard. For some reason that even when we later get a little bit of Morghese's POV, she's like, I don't know why I fired him. Was it my idea? Or did I? was I told to stop being so stubborn? And then she just takes a nap. Yep. Well, she was told to take a nap. But... Yes. And so she took a nap. Um, I kind of, like, if that was just like the one power of like, if someone if could just. It was just the one if power. It was just, if it was just the one statement that someone could compulse me with is go take, go, a nap. go take a nap and then I instantly fall asleep. You're tired, nap. <laughs> You're tired, nap. I wonder that worked on children. <laughs> but like just the one statement. How dangerous would it be to have that ability and know you have it and be a good person and be a parent? <laughs> that would be like, because like parents get real tired and yeah. they don't always have good judgment. No, because sometimes they have been awake for 47 hours. Definitely, there are some children who got compelled in the world of the Wheel of Time. Yeah. Jesus. Accidental. Or intentional, but probably accidental, because there's probably a lot of... I feel like one, if you're sleep-deprived enough, well, you're not I don't under... Think, I think a sleep-deprived person who is trained would not be able to touch the source, or would be able to resist touching the source. Tired. But somebody like Nynaeve... Yeah, that would be an accident. training who doesn't know what they're doing at all, could compel their children by accident. Yeah, probably. That's a pretty dark thing to think about. But at least, like, if they're good people, and even if they accidentally did it, it would be something right. innocuous, like, and please actually, just go take a nap. You know, we actually have an example of somebody who does this and who's not a good person, Leandrin. She has her little trick. She does. Which is basically, like, a really shitty compulsion. Yeah. Thank God Leandrin never had or... And is never going to have children. Because yikes. I mean... Just big yikes. She would still use it on children. They just they don't have to be hers. That's true. Leandrin's a terrible person. But at least she wouldn't be around children as much without children. That's fair. Anyway. Anyway, Gareth Brynn. He, he and, like, all of his soldiers are just, like, trying to pass the time. They're just bored. Yeah. And his, like, house manager or something, like, a Carolyn or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what her title is. Like, there is a title. I don't remember. It's never said. House manager. Yeah. The first footman, whatever. Secretary. 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 That's not a word. Secretary. Secretary. I can talk. Is like trying to hook him up with a bunch of women. And so like she saw Leanna flirt with him and she's like, oh, maybe she'll be your new uh, chambermaid or whatever. Yeah. He's just like, why? Stop it. Yep. He's like, no, the house is going to die with me. That's okay. Yeah. He has no heir. Yep. And he doesn't want to have an heir. Is he married? No. Yeah, he just has no interest. Yeah. I, I... Well, because for a while he was 
Morghese's unofficial consort. Mm. So he couldn't marry because she needed to not be married because she's Elizabeth. But also, like, she just wouldn't get married. Yeah. Anyway. How is that going to work if... Elaine takes the throne. Like, the queens of Andor don't marry, but she seems they, like she would. They, they don't not marry, but also they just don't usually marry hmm. to keep things open. And also, like, if Elaine's going to marry, I think it's it's made pretty clear that it's going to be Rand. Yeah. And I feel like the queen of Andor could marry the dragon reborn, and that would be okay. <laughs> Even if it's not okay, he's the dragon reborn. He breaks all the rules. He does break all the rules. And he likes reminding people of that. <laughs> Swan also breaks all the rules because Gareth Brynn really wants to know why Mara broke her oath. And he just keeps like, thinking about her blue eyes. I yeah. think he has a little crush on Swan. Interesting. Just the way he phrased it. Yeah. They've they've met before. Yes, they have. He doesn't recognize her because she's lost her agelessness. Right. And a good portion of how she used to look because she, like, aged in reverse a little yeah. bit. So that's the Gareth Brynn stuff. Basically. There's, there's a plot there. It's happening. I think we're getting to the plot in the Min stuff faster. Like, this feels like it would have happened in section two or three of earlier books instead of section one. I mean, it was the only Min POV, though, so, like, something's right. got to happen in it. Yeah. It's just the fact that it was in chapter one. But, like, if you think about it, all the POVs have that one catalyst moment in this section, and it just still feels slow to me. Except for Rand's. Rand is doing his own his his usual thing of being cryptic to everybody, including the reader. Yeah, he does that. There is a little like interstitial moment with Lady Altana visiting Andor, getting compelled. I think the she's kind of a bitch. She's kind of a bitch. Well, yeah, we knew that. Morghese is dressing more revealing now, like because of like Robin. significantly so. Yeah, because like she goes on this whole thing about she wore a high necked gown so that the queen would like her more because the queen appreciates modesty. Meanwhile, her tits are just out. Yeah, Robin's because Robin's a pig. Yeah, and <laughs> Altima gets compelled because of course she does, and then we get a small bit of Morghese fighting the compulsion. Yeah, and she keeps saying stop being stubborn, and I feel like that's not her voice telling herself it's to not... It's just the compulsion, trying, the compulsion to trying to tell her to stop her being stubborn. Yeah. So one of the things that kind of comes out of this is Gabriel tells Morghese to go take a nap. He's like, you're tired. Go take a nap. And she like instantly, not instantly, but she basically stops talking to Lady Altama and goes to her chambers, sends all of her maids away, lays down in her bed dress and everything still on. Like, she doesn't take off jewelry. She just gets in bed and can't get out of bed. Yeah. She's wild. Because he's like, I will wake you when you've rested enough. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Robin is fucked. Yeah. That's that stuff. We we covered basically everything else for Robin. And then we get to Rand, who is in a fight with Moraine for most of this chapter. Yep, Moraine is trying to collect all the angry all to go to the tower. They are in Roydian, and they're kind of just building it as a city now. Yep. The people who stayed are just like, you've broken us, but I guess we're just going to do this now. Yep. Because it did seem like that's what Roydian was intended to be, and then something happened. It, yeah, it was a legit city. It was intended to be a city for the Aiel, and then yeah. something happened, and then it turned into this place, and now... That place no longer exists. So I guess the columns don't exist, but they don't really need to now that all the Aiel know. What? No, the columns are still there. But do they... I think they'll still send them through. It's still a test. 
I don't think we necessarily know what the test is now. Because everyone knows. Right. It's and But knowing is a different thing than experiencing. And it could just be that the test is now, can you endure living those lives? Yeah. I don't know. I don't... Or they don't need the test anymore. Or that could be. They... He's bro- he is bringing change. He's like, I don't like that I'm bringing change. They do need some way to select clan chiefs. I don't know if that'll change or if, if it'll be the same and it's just kind of a formality now. Yeah, but I have no idea. One of the things, we get actually a good m- amount more of Aiel kind of world building here. We get something called the bleakness. Yep, that is the term that has emerged for the feeling that Aiel have upon learning about their origins. Many who experience the bleakness break and turn to the Shido. Some don't. And they just kind of walk off from being Aiel. And some keep with their clans. So the Shido is just a bunch of people who walked away from other clans, question mark? The Shido is now basically two groups. It's the Shido. Who were they before? A clan. A clan. And? Now they are the clan plus defectors from all the other clans. Who? I'm confused. With the bleakness. The bleakness is just an Aiel experiences the bleakness and one of three things happens when they do it. They either say, fuck this, it's not real, I don't believe it, and they go and join the Shido. And this is pre-Rand? No. This is a, the bleakness is a new thing. Okay, that's what I'm, that's what I did. I thought the bleakness was a term that they've always used. No. Okay. The bleakness is a new thing. So okay. they, they either go and join the Shido, they go off on their own, or they keep with their clan and kind of accept it. And one of the things that we kind of get is Rand kind of processing what's happening is like, oh, G.E. Toe is why they're fucked about with this. Because they have honor and if they they became because someone broke their honor. Right. Like they had G.E. Toe to the Aes Sedai or to the way of the leaf and then someone defected and lost their honor. Right. And he kind of, he comes to this realization while watching Gaishine do their work. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they could belong to the same clan as somebody that they're serving, but nobody's going to gonna acknowledge it. They're not going to say anything about their time as a Gaishine. They, the concept is so ingrained in Aiel culture that the kind of revelation that it's based on a lie or based on them breaking it kind of breaks people's minds a little bit. Yeah. So... That, that was just an interesting piece of like, okay, Rand is starting to understand the Aiel ways better than even in book four, where he's kind of understanding their motivations and how they're getting. Because now he has like the tertiary, he has like the base level information, and now he can start to make connections between the bits of information that he has. Yeah. We also learned that Kulanin is still claiming to be Karkarn. Yes. And people are believing him. Yep. So he's just generally still being a dick. Yeah, Kulanin's still the worst. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are the worst in the Wheel of Time. Lyda, Elaine, or not Elaine. Not Elaine. Um, Lanfear. Lanfear. Although, is Lanfear the worst, or is she just nuts? I think she's just nuts. Currently. Leandrin. That's Leandrin. Where, that's where Elaine came from. I don't know why the, yeah. my brain confused those two words. Leandrin. Yeah. Leandrin's the worst. Yes. Yeah, Leandrin might be the worst. Although, Robin's up there now. He is he's... forsaken, though, so I feel like he's on a different scale. That's true. If we're just talking, if we're talking ranked in the Forsaken, he's not the worst. If you put him in with the regular people, 
Well, yeah. There are very, Although, very few people who can be as bad. And that's why Pat and Fane can't be compared to someone like Leandrin, because he's not on the same... He's not even really a person anymore. And I don't think the Forsaken are people either, so... The Forsaken are still people. They are... They're older than everybody. They're older than lots of people combined. Robin can channel and not weakly and has gray in his hair. Yeah. And... He's old as shit. And so that just, in my head, makes him not a person anymore. Yeah. If you can live to be... If you can live 600 years, you're not a person. He has also communed with primordial evil. Yeah. Once you've communed <laughs> with primordial evil, you are no longer a person. That's fair. At the very least, you're held to a different scale of badness. Right. Patton Fane is just his own category. He is the only person in the category, and he is the worst in that category. <laughs> Patton Fane is the asterisk on the... Most people fall into these categories, except Patton Fane. Fuck him. Yeah, he is the uh, some data points eliminated due to being yes. outliers. Yes. That is Patton Fane. Yeah. yeah. Back to Rand. <laughs> Maureen and Egwene visit. Yep. And... And they kind of, like, face him down. I don't really know what was happening in this section. Rand's bits still elude me because he's just being so purposely cryptic, even in his narration. And he just seems so apathetic about everything that's happening around him. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And like he's like, I feel bad about doing this to the Aiel. That's kind of how it sounds like he feels, is that he's like a robot. Yeah, so uh, there which, are, there which are just, so many different things happening here. Which contrasts gonna... so much with the Rand that we met in book one, who was just in his right. was, he was just in his feels, sweet little baby boy in his feels, slightly annoying because he's just so in his feels, but like and he just kept repeating them over and over. But now he's just like, I am Rand, the dragon reborn, yeah. and the Kakarn. I am doing these things and I have no control over doing these things because it's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, so that there are a lot of things that are kind of contributing to this. And that one that you said is what I'm going to focus on right now because he has spent so much time poring over prophecy that he's now just like, this is bad, but it has to happen. And that, I think, is where this like indifference or apathy kind of is coming from, where he's like, yes, this sucks, but if I don't do this, the world will end. And it's just like... He's not fully Machiavellian yet. He does have... It is good to be both respected and feared, but if you have to pick one, be feared. He has that energy. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Because basically what Morgase, not Morgase, Moraine is trying to do is he's, she's trying to get him to, like, move out of the waste and... She's like, you have to do something. Do something. There's a bunch of Forsaken, like, trying to control the world. Yeah. If you stay here long enough... If you try to go back, it, there's what was the point in assembling an army when you've got to fight against the whole world? Right. And they both have very valid points here. Rand takes a little too long to get to his, I think. Moraine is very right. If he waits too long in the waste, the Forsaken will have basically unified the rest of the world against him. Yeah. And he'll have to be fighting an uphill battle. Rand's coming at, coming at it from a... The last time the Aiel came across the Dragon Wall, there were two clans and they had their run of the land. What do you think is going to happen if I bring all of them? Yeah. At least, or 11 of them, because he's just written the shadow off. Yeah, 11 out of 12 is still a lot. And honestly, I kind of, if Rand is, cre is breaking the Aiel 
and he unif and he unifies eleven of them, eleven out of the twelve clans. That does make them not the same type of people anymore. So he would have brought all of whatever his new Aiel is. The Shido is just like yeah. the is like the Jin Aiel. Yeah, yeah, basically. And so they're they're kind of both right. It's hard to tell who is more right right now, because. Neither thing is true, right? Rand has not unified the Aiel, and we know that the Forsaken are not kind of a cohesive unit. No. I think a bunch more are going to die before that happens. So it's hard to tell who's right, and Moraine is very clearly kind of at the end of her rope here. She's being, like, outright, almost like petty. Rand says something to her, and Rand calls her little sister. And so she smacks funny. him in the back with the one power. And he thought it was Egwene. Which, like, fair. Because... If you... If you if I were looking at two. Rosamond Pike and a 20-year-old girl, and I got hit across the back by some magical power, I would not assume Rosamond Pike did it. I do always picture Rosamond Pike when I think of Maureen. Yeah. She's way too tall, but still, it's just, it's great. She, she's she got the aura. Yeah. And it works. But, yeah, Moraine and Ray had get, like, into, like, almost like a shouting match, which, like, they had kind of hinted at in book four. And Jason Detail's just, like, in the background playing. As Modian, playing, in the background, playing, playing harp. One of the 13 most evil people ever. Just, just like... Doodle a little on the harp. And at one point, he plays like a very discordant chord because he feels like it goes along with the mood. And then he goes, I'm kind of living for Asmodian. Because like Asmodian's backstory is he was an artist. Yeah. He was a musician. He was an actor. <laughs> and He's he, just like, he turned, Asmodian turned to the Dark One because he wanted to live forever to perfect his art. <laughs> and now... He is gleeman to the to the dragon reborn. And at one point, like Morian's like, you should send him out. And he's like, he's the gleeman to the dragon reborn. He can hang. And Egwene's just like, how fat is your head right now? <laughs> like, Neither of them know. He's Asmodian. <laughs> he's like, I don't care what he hears. I can't let him out of my sight. It doesn't Right. Because like he can either hear nothing or hear all of it, no matter what. If he's out of my sight, he's going to go tell someone whatever he's heard. So right. if I don't give him the chance to tell anyone, yep. it doesn't matter what he's heard. And at, towards the end, when Egwene is trying to, like, dress Rand down for being disrespectful to Moraine. And, like, he was, but it is no longer Egwene's place to do that. No. Like, he, he's got a whole different set of concerns. And she's just like... I regret telling Elaine that you would be worth that you would be good for her. You're not worthy of Elaine. Yeah. <laughs> and then just I, I will say it is not Egwene's place anymore. It is Elaine's place and not just because they're involved, but because Elaine has the mindset to do it one right. She she's not gonna two rivers her way into it. Yeah. And two she understands the at least the type of pressure that Rand is under. Right. She's fra she would phrase it as like a okay, as your girlfriend, not cool, dude. You're being a dick. Yeah. But also taking a step back from the girlfriend thing, and as the future queen of Andor, not, you're not cool, dude. You're not being cool. a dick. <laughs> you are not doing this 
effectively and you need to take another tactic. Girlfriend Elaine would just be like, you just got to stop being a dick. Future Queen yeah. of Andor Elaine is like, there is a better way for you to do what you were doing. Yeah. And it, it doesn't help also that Egwene is trying to naive in this situation. Yeah. And she's just, she's not naive. No. Nynaeve could maybe manage it. No. She's still got wisdom energy. She does. And I think Rand is still just a little bit afraid of Nynaeve. Yeah. Well, because Rand, one of the things, so so you were saying Rand is kind of coming across as apathetic. And one of the kind of layers of that onion are that Rand is still sort of mourning who he was and who he was supposed to be. He has probably reached the, like, I'm just going to not feel anything because mm-hmm. I don't have time to feel anything. Right. Part of his grieving process. Right. And so Nynaeve doesn't, one, doesn't have a baggage of basically being engaged that Egwene has. Egwene's not, oh. They used to basically basic, be engaged. That's what you meant. Okay. Yeah. I was like, who but, is she engaged to But Nynaeve now? also is an authority figure from who he was. Yes. So. <laughs> and I do remember, like. And she also has more experience in out two rivers in two rivers, men. Yes, she does. Egwene does not. And I feel like semi-recently we've heard one of the boys be like, I should not be afraid of Nynaeve anymore, but yet here I am. <laughs> yeah. And Rand is like, I am the dragon reborn, and yet I'm going to listen to you. Yep. Because you're going to hit me upside the head. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and that's so why Lan Elaine, not Elaine, Egwene, basically is dressing him down. Then by and then at the end, she's like, he asks about Elaine, and she's like, she's good. And by the way, she loves you. Yeah, because like, and well, fucking, he gets this like weird look on his face because she he she's like dressing him down. He's like, Elena would have never done this. Who the fuck is Elena? Yeah, and throughout the entire conversation he calls Moraine one little sister which is just a weird thing for Rand to call a 60 year old woman Yep. Uh, to I think Moraine's maybe like 40. She's significantly, she's older than he is Not maybe not significantly but she's older and he references things that he doesn't know places that nobody knows he starts to like think Use, things. like slang that he doesn't yeah. that no one's familiar with um and just in, like, kind of subtle ways. Yeah. Kind of like Matt just casually slipping into the old tongue. Yeah. So that that's kind of, like, a background thing for the whole thing. And that's clearly something we're going to be dealing with the whole book. Because yeah. he's been dealing with some of this stuff, like, kind of, like, hints, vague impressions that he remembers things. But this is, like, turned up a notch. Yeah. Like, pretty suddenly it's like, okay, this is what's happening in this book for Rand. Like, he is confronting either accurate or madness-induced memories of Luz Theron. Yeah. Because, I mean, Ilyena's a relatively commonly known... Like, people would know about Ilyena. Rand certainly would, Mr. I keep reading the prophecies of the dragon. Yeah. So, you know, it, it could be that Rand is remembering stuff, but it could also be that Rand is just thinking this because he's mad. I don't think he's quite mad yet. And here's where that's where my theory from earlier comes in. I don't think I don't necessarily think that he's going to go mad in the way that Logan went mad. I'm okay. talking like show Logan. Yeah. Because we see him kind of talking yeah. to people. Those like shadowy figures. And the guy from the opening sequence that's running and he has like a guy following him. And then when the reds all converged on him, he realized you re- the audience realizes 
that person's not there. Right. I don't think he's going to go mad in that way. I think he's got all these memories from reincarnation from Luz Theron, and he's not going to know what to do with those, and that's going to drive him insane. Okay. And just the pressure and the power, and I, I think it's going to be a, nor- a more typical person's mental breakdown than okay. a magical mental breakdown. Okay. I'd still say that is the one power making him go mad. Sure. But okay. I don't think it's going to be in like your typical like, oh, you just went randomly crazy. Yeah. And it's going to be like, oh, no. Yeah. You like I fully expect Matt to have kind of a mental breakdown because he's got all these things shoved into his head. And that's just enough to break a person. I mean, if we're drawing a comparison between Rand and Matt, Matt has one advantage in this scenario where he had holes in his head already. The the Finn, that's a generic term for the beings from the other side of the doors. They filled holes. Rand doesn't have those holes. Yeah. So, these, so like, if they are actually extra memories from Luz Theron, they're they're trying to cram them into a full cup, whereas yeah. Matt's cup was already partially empty. They did put try to put more than they should have in Matt's cup, but or I don't think they did. He asked. They gave him what he asked for, and he they just didn't fill it with what he wanted. It. They did. Right. It's a monkey's paw thing, right? He asked for a very specific thing. He wanted the holes in his memory filled. They just didn't fill it with his memories. Right. So I don't think the, the I think they were the elfin. Elfin, yeah. I don't think they gave him too much. Mm, yeah. They just gave him what he was missing, and he happened to be missing quite a bit. They just made a really weird mixed drink. Yes. So, anyway, Rand is having a bad time kind of realizing that, like, oh, oh, shit, I'm remembering things that I don't have any memory of, actually. Yeah. And... Then Elaine, not Elaine, Egwene is basically, I'm going to do that a lot. Egwene is basically like, oh, by the way, Elaine loves you. Because <laughs> she like gets like a weird moment of concern because he's got this weird look on his face when he realizes he's possibly going crazy. And she's like, are you okay? And then it's like, oh, by the way, Elaine loves you. I'm not sure yeah. I'm supposed to tell you that. But... And fucking master of timing Asmodian levitates a cup over to Rand. <laughs> Egwene has her back turned. She's leaving. And... and Asmodeus is just like, here you go. Here's some wine. It reminded me a bit of that scene in the first Halloween Town movie when, like, the youngest girl, Sophie, she's like, I really wanted that cookie. And she turns her back and the cookie's floating towards her. And the mom (laughs) just has to, like, grab it and then shoves it in her mouth. That's kind of what Rand does. He just, like, quickly whips the mug or the goblet out of the air so that... Elaine doesn't realize it was just floating. Yep. I mean, they could have passed it off of like, I didn't feel like bending over, so I just yep. lifted it. And we, we ended this section with Rand furiously turning on Asmodian. Yeah. And, and that's like, where it ends, which is a great cliffhanger because it's nothing serious is going to happen. It's the second chapter of a book, but it's like action. Yeah. It's and like, it's, ooh, what's going to happen it's next? It's like interpersonal conflict action. Yeah. It's great. I'm, I'm, I love the addition of Asmodian. Yeah, he's got... Because he's like a fucking villain. But also, like... Like, none of the Forsaken... Even Asmodian is probably the least evil of them, and he is not a good person. No, he's got... To pull more on the supernatural thing, because apparently that's where my brain is going today, he's got Crowley vibes. Okay. Because Crowley was king of hell, but... Sure. Kind of whimsical and fun. I only watched six seasons. Of you it. did. I didn't but... even watch six seasons. I only watched five seasons. Yeah, you watched what is typically considered to be good actual supernatural. supernatural, and then something happened after season five, and it's not actually supernatural anymore. <laughs> and then something happens after season twelve, and it's really not supernatural anymore. 
that show went on for way too long. Lucifer had a son, and it was just... And then they killed God, I think, and then... Yay! And queer baiting. Well, yeah. We're reading The Wheel of Time. (laughs) Which, I guess, to be fair... It's not actually... Doesn't necessarily queer bait. Except with pillow friends. Except with pillow friends. But that's not necessarily queer baiting, because... It's acknowledged, and it's real. It's just not very focused on, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but... No, I, don't know where, just, I don't know where to put it. We're reading it with a... We're reading this series with a very gay lens. Yes. Because I, I read almost everything with a gay lens, so... Yeah. If I can make it gay, I will. And it's kind of easy to do with The Wheel of Time. And you didn't realize that on past reads, did you? No, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not hidden, like, at all. I mean, did you recognize frozen mountain lakes and I did not. Bicon Perrin, apparently. <laughs> I did not. And I didn't I didn't pick up on the fact that Elaine definitely hooked up with that windfinder. <laughs> yes. Or did she? I think she definitely did. She definitely did. It's just weird because t- like she she and Rand were sorta of kinda together. But like that's not a problem for Rand. <laughs> it's not a problem for Rand. And she did see and Min told her that she was going to have to share her husband with two other women. Yeah. So she, I can see Elaine going, well, if I have to share, and you the, have to share. The Aiel are explicitly and chill with polyamory. It's yeah. just an accepted everyday part of their lives. But, like, if Elaine's like, well, if I have to share you with two other women, you're going to have to share me with, I guess, this Windfinder. Yeah. Anyway, this was section one. What do you, uh, any any hopes for this book now that you read the first section? Um, I don't really know. We're probably going to get more men. More men would be nice. I kind of want her to reunite with Rand soon because I think I am going to get tired of this, like, random all of a sudden. I love Rand. Where did that... I still don't know where that came from. That's fair. Like, Elaine makes sense. They made out a couple of times. It happened off screen. And so it happened quickly in terms of page length, but it's implied that they spent a while together. Right. And they made out a couple of times. So, like, there was... Min awkwardly cuddled Rand while he was trying to heal from a wound and then dipped out to the tower and now I mean, loves Rand? Question mark? I feel like Min is suffering from a prophecy told me this is going to happen, so it's happening. Could be. So they actually need to be together for a while to see if it's real. Yeah. Okay. They're gonna. I mean, they're gonna end up together because that's what the prophecy says. So like, they're gonna be together no matter what. But I would like it to. I would like for their weird prophecy arranged marriage, mm-hmm. or like weird prophetic aura arranged marriage. Yeah. To develop into a real marriage. Like okay. you see what the arranged marriages or like marriages of convenience. They're just stuck together, but real love develops over time. Yeah. If this stupid aura prophetic thing is forcing them together, I would like something real to develop over time. Okay. Cool. I also would like Avianda back. I don't think that'll take that long. Okay. We're still with the Aiel. Yeah, but she wasn't in this section. No, she was not. And. She's fun. Yeah. We didn't actually get any Lan or Spear Daddy time, like on page. They were mentioned, but we didn't actually see them. I would like more Spear Daddy. That's fair. Rourke is also great. Yeah, that's about it. I think yeah. that's all. Okay. I have zero hopes for this book. I've read it a few times. I also want Perrin's afterthoughts of no longer being a virgin. True. Very true. And he's going to have to deal with basically being Lord of the Two Rivers. Yeah. 
All sorts of people. I have think stuff. that's why I don't like this section. Is there are so many things from the last book that I loved and wanted to just like pick up. Like I want to see it. It's and the fifth book in a series. There's a lot of threads. There's a lot of threads, but like you spent the first forty pages of this section with characters I don't really care about. I'm not really. Ca- I'm kind of eluding Min from that. Like mm-hmm. it was her POV, but it was still a bunch of about a bunch of shit I don't care about. That's fair. They're just kind of running. Yeah, they're just kind of running. Looking for other eyes that I... I didn't really need a POV to talk about. Like, it could have just... That whole section could have been a summary paragraph. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, there's a lot of book left. We'll see how much of that pans out. Yes. Now I think it's time for some recurring segments. We really don't have that many. There's no... Prophetic auras. No, I don't think so. I don't... Well, there's one. Min gets, like, a glimpse of the, like, halo around Loghain again. But it's the same thing. Yeah. So, they haven't gotten any new auras, and we haven't figured any out. Yeah. I don't think. The prologue in chapters one and two of a book. Right. Ship updates. Elaine loves Rand. We already knew that. We knew that. You think maybe there's something going on with Gareth Bryn and Swan? Or is that just he actually does recognize her but doesn't can't quite put it together. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I think he's got something. Okay. But I don't it's not a ship. I don't ship it. I just Okay. It's just a thing I notice. And yeah. And there really isn't anything else to talk about yeah. ship wise. It's the prologue in chapters one and two of a book. Right. That leaves us with favorite moments. What was your favorite moment? I think either Liana enjoying flirting and like going back to her Damani roots mm-hmm. and kind of being like maybe this is what's gonna help me she's clearly kind of rusty at it she is gareth Bryn is like she's rusty yeah <laughs> but she's like maybe this is what will fuel me swan's fuel is rage rage <laughs> liana's is gonna be pretty dresses and flirting and rage and the urge to fish and i want that for her or when Logan shows up to rescue them, he just kind of looks at him and gives him like a, what, you thought I was going to forget about you? <laughs> and it's just hysterical to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mine, I think, so it was going to be something that happens in like the first couple pages of the next section because I accidentally read ahead. I accidentally I'm, read like a couple a couple sentences of chapter three and I think I know. I'm not going to say it because that's spoiler. So what my favorite one for this actual section is, is Moraine hitting Rand across the back with a one power? It does two things it like or really just it showcases that like she is on edge yeah because that's not normally something she would do so clearly he's getting to her and she's like feeling kind of desperate yeah definitely she is at the end of her rope and i am kind of all for moraine not being this like serene like not gandalfing around not gandalfing around i want her to I appreciate Gandalf more character Moraine. development. Yeah, in I, that I appreciate Gandalf Moraine. I think she serves that purpose fantastically in book one and in book two for the limited amount that she she's doesn't need in there. to serve that purpose anymore, though. No, and I think that's you know it was slow in book four, but I think for this series it's the right speed mm-hmm. because Rand is getting tired with it. We're getting tired with it. So Rand's frustrate. We can share Rand's frustration. Yeah. And now we're going to see Moraine get more motivation. Yeah. Because she's trying to figure this shit out. She doesn't know about Swan yet. She doesn't. 
We will see how that goes. I want to see how Show Maureen deals with Swan. Because she's just going to hear the rumor. Yeah. That Swan was still an executed sheep. Won't know that Swan's still alive. Yep. Her wife is dead. Yeah. To her. Because they got married, basically, yes. in the show. Yeah. No, interesting. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Like, a significant like, number I feel of like thoughts on this. Like, I feel like Book Moraine and Show Moraine are going to react the same. We'll see more of it with Show yeah. Moraine because the show actually made Soiree and canon, whereas the book, it's canon. It's just not... Not current. Not on the page. Not on the page canon. Yeah. Yeah. No. To me, in the books, Soiree is absolutely canon. Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Soiree is good. All right. This was section one. Next episode. Section two. (laughs) (laughs) Chapters three through seven. All right. Bye. Bye.